0: Good morning, everyone. So, we mentioned in passing yesterday that today was the disappearance day of Sanatana Goswami. So I thought it would be appropriate to depart for, if you can call it that, um, slightly discuss further about Sanabda Basami, his significant contribution to our lineage. And um, it so happens that his disappearance corresponds with the Guru Purnim, which is the famous Purnim or full moon uh, annually that uh, in India, in all traditions of Hinduism, the, uh, the Guru is remembered and respected and yeah, the Guru's significance celebrated. Guru Purnim, Ejai. Sanatana Goswami, Yithirubhav, Mahamud Subhati, So, as I mentioned yesterday, Sanatana Goswami, very important um, person, personality in the uh, Gaudiya lineage. I likened him to the architect who eventually gave kind of the blueprint that uh, would structure the society, which was really a, a structuring, if you will, of the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in pursuit of making that available. I've likened before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to a great uh, waterfall, that uh, one can only stand back from and uh, look on with awe. But uh, Goswamis, and in Gorlila, headed by Sanatan Goswami, they made a lake out of that waterfall, so to speak, in the form of their writing, and in the form of Sanatan Prabhu's writing in particular, uh, giving structure, as I say, to the, to the sect. In terms of its behavior, its rituals, its dress, its mantras, its methods of worship, and so on and so forth. So this lake, then, if you will, of institutionalization of sorts, that has very much helped to make accessible the ecstasy, the waterfall, the fountain of Caitanya Mahaprabhu's love of God. They were able to examine it and and they understood it in a particular way, and then they supported their vision, their understanding, by drawing from the vast uh, corpus of Hindu sacred literatures. It's rather, to me at least, uh, mind-boggling to read their works and see the the measure and extent to which they were acquainted with that uh, body of literature. Which would be like the scientific literature of today, or something like that. They're very well educated, very well informed, and um, and how they were able to find a place, if you will, and turn out to be quite central for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his ecstasy. Obviously, they had the reason that this has to be in the books. This has to be what the book is about. So we'll find a way to to demonstrate that. And they were expert and Sanatan Prabhu. Natan Goswami was perhaps the most expert in that in that the main book as we know of the Gaudiya lineage is the Srimad Bhagavatam it is in that book that he interpreted a particular verse from the text like it had never been um, interpreted or explained before and it comes in the eleventh canto in the fifth chapter, maybe the thirty-second verse. And if you hear his explanation, it's absolutely mind-boggling to think how anybody could think the verse said anything different. Practically, hmm. but if you look at other Vaishnav lineages who commented on it and so forth, and so you see, and uh, predecessors to Sanatana even the great Swami, um they they missed. What was perha- perhaps, the, which is arguably the most uh, significant reference to the, to Chitta and Mahaprabhu's divinity. Of course, people like to think these days that books like the Bhagavatam that predict into the future were really written after <laughs> the, the event. Uh, the Bhagavatam predicts the appearance of Buddha and so within, From an academic point of view, people like to date the book after the appearance of Buddha and diminish the predictive uh, you know, power of the text and so forth. That's all well and good to a point, but here in the in, in case of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, obviously the book was recorded and predates much the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but the, the reference is very powerful, actually. And um, and of course he connects it with another reference in the seventh Chapter Canto of the, of the Bhagavatam as well, but the context in which the verse appears is a conversation between the Maharaj Nimi, I believe, and, and the Navayogindras uh, nine mystics, who are another example, like Sugudev, like the Kumaras, of persons who had been absorbed in Brahman and became attracted to bhakti, another example of the, of the post-liberated nature of bhakti, that it attracts liberated souls. At any rate, the uh, Karabhajnamuni was speaking and he began to speak to the king about the different yugas, as it's understood in Hinduism, these huge cycles of time, they really speak about the quality, a karmic kind of quality of time that will endure for a certain period and what the what the symptoms of such will be and so forth, the Satya Yuga the, and the kind of golden age, the Dwarpa Yuga, the the silver age, the Treta Yuga, the or the other way, it's, it's, anyway, Treta Yuga so it's, uh, uh, the silver age, Dwarpa Yuga, the copper age and Kali Yuga, the iron age, or the age of Machinery and technology, Yantravigyan is said to be prominent, the science of machines, and quarrel, mm, there's much, Kali, much about quarrel and and so on, hypocrisy it's characterized by and so forth. And so, anyway, according to the Hindu system and the sacred texts, there are these long periods of time, and they're predominated over by a particular descent of the Godhead in the different yugas. So the the explanation begins with, let me tell you about the four yugas and the four and the corresponding deities. And he clearly marks out the first three and he comes to Kali Yuga. And then this one and a half verses are uh, spoken, followed by two other verses That's that Sanatana has also shown. They're further describing the character, the leela. Of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the main verse, of course, being "Krishna tisakrishnam So again, it's if you study, we're not going to go into it in depth here, but it, it, it's it's as I say, it's it's mind-boggling how they couldn't be drawn up because the four yugas are being talked about. This is the fourth yuga now that the deity is mentioned. Then he's shown up as a perfect fit for. Explaining Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in terms of his 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 complexion, his activities, his associates, the nature of his followers, his method of uh, of worship that he inaugurated, emphasized, and so on and so forth. Um so at any rate for us it's very significant. And Bhagavatam of course is a very significant Text and, and there's a lot of different references that have been cited in our lineage to substantiate from the sacred text the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but often there are verses that can't be found in existing manuscripts, and and um, maybe they have less obvious their their meaning or their point of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is less obvious and so forth. But here, Bhagavatam is a book well accepted in the in the Hindu community amongst all the traditions and uh, the text is there and in all all the manuscripts and so forth. It's very, very prominent. So in a very prominent way in terms of the this this one aspect of Chaitanya mahaprabhu the Yuga avatar, this aspect is the the disseminating aspect of Dharma, of Chaitanya mahaprabhu There are two sides to him, of course. We've spoken a little bit more about the internal side of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in pursuit, a Krishna in pursuit of solving and resolving his existential crisis and um, tasting the of Radha and so forth. So there we find that in the Bhagavatam as well. But we can't find that, we, we won't be able to find out of that without finding this verse of Sanatana Goswami and understanding Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in light of his... his uh, Dissemination of of bhakti, his outreach and so forth, which we think is secondary. We see it as an as a as a byproduct, the overflow of his ecstasy. It's secondary, but it's primary at the same time, a way of introducing us to us and getting our attention and dealing with us in terms of things that really need to be dealt with in order for us to really enter into, taste and experience and really understand that inner side and that is the the cleansing of the heart and and um, spiritual uh, practice up to hasakti before the ingress of bhava and so forth so the Yuga Avatar is very much by his example Chaitanya emphasizing this through his active outreach and public kirtan and dissertations and so forth um, And, of course, we've been encouraged in our lineage in modern times to participate in these activities relevant to the society that we live in, consuming as they will be, consuming to try to um, explain to others the significance of this tradition in modern times. It's quite a a consuming affair, and that's the whole idea, is to be consumed by that. It's It's a very kind of a, I would call it like a dynamic idea of, of Kirtan, and as we spoke the other day, the Kirtan is meant to arrest, and it effectively does arrest the mind, in such a way that meditation can be experienced really, directly, and then, then cultured, of course, as well. So, anyway, Sannatan Goswami located this verse. He, he he established really the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu more than any of the Goswamis. And um, in this way also he's, again, the uh, like the architect of of this Sampadaya. He was the elder between Rupa Sanatana and their nephew, the young Jiva Goswami. So in Gaur Leela we hold the highest regard for Sanatana Goswami. Rupa Goswami will pay his respects in Gaur Leela to Sanatana Goswami as he has in his treatise, like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Perhaps Ujjbal Nilmani as well, another text with a pranam verse offering respect to his to, to Sanatan, his guru, his in, in in respects his elder, and so forth. <coughs> Interestingly enough, the role is reversed to some extent in Krishna Lila, where Rupa Goswami, as a young hand maiden of Radha, leads the camp in which Sanatan is also uh, a participant. So, again, a very significant person. He, the history, a little bit more, we spoke some about some of it yesterday, the history of his joining Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his interest, of interest, it's it, uh, an example of a life of someone who's not, who appears to be in this world just kind of waiting for his mission, so to speak, and to connect with it. And uh, we find that he came from a, a, a Brahminical uh, family lineage from, from the south. The father had moved to Bengal at a certain point, and the two brothers, Nathan, were born there. They were living in Ramkali, and they were very much devoted to Krishna. As young boys, they had in um, the town created a, an atmosphere by their own doing that was one that was to be mindful of or in remembrance of Vrindavan the ideal of, the, uh, of Chaitanya Leela and the ideal of the Bhagwat, to enter into the pastoral Leela and the intimate Leela of uh, Radha and Krishna. So they created in their hometown a Radhakund and a Govardhan and so forth. And and we'll see successive acharyas in the lineage doing things like this. They very, very much in the worst set an example even before they met Chaitanya Mahabhabha, of the importance of creating an environment around you to do your spiritual practice <coughs> that will be conducive to spiritual life. We found that in later years, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur created a Radhakund and a Govardhan and Mayapur. and and um we're doing that in Madhavan and Audharya to some extent also. Places to somewhat correspond to the Gaur Leela and, and Krishna Leela. This is a little different than these days. Sadhus fighting to buy some, some postage stamp in Vrindavan where Leelas took place only to listen to loudspeakers of secular music and, and, and so forth. I suppose there's some value in acquiring those places, but the Goswamis did set an example when they lived in Vrindavan also of finding idyllic settings, that's where they would be peaceful for practice. So, at any rate, (coughs) they did that, and they were living there. And um, it's been told, I heard from another acharya in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, that um, the Nuab Hussein Sa, who was the ruler of Bengal, had commissioned a tomb of some sort to be built there in Ram And so many, many, I say, masons were engaged for a long time, I mean for years and years. Uh, These things would... uh, it would take a long time to build it was all hand work and so forth and so as they were completing the dome the king came on top the mob and looked and he was very satisfied with the work and he mentioned it to the lead worker <laughs> and the lead worker said oh this is nothing We could we could have even done better than this and so he took that fellow and threw him off the tomb to the ground and killed him <laughs> so the story goes. So the idea being that, that if somebody I want I want the best. If someone is alive that can create a better one, then, then better they be dead. And so, anyway, as he came down from the tomb, his principal assistant he said he said to him, bring them here. Go and get him, or go and get it, or go and get them, and he wasn't clear on. it. And The King was really angry at the time, and so the servant just said, "Yes, king, you know yes, Nawab or whatever, <laughs> and off he went, but he didn't know what he wanted, so he wasn't he stayed away from the kingdom because he was afraid to come back without it, but he didn't he the king didn't say what he wanted, so he was wandering and for some time and and despondent out of home and wondering. What did the king want? What did the king want? And the two young men, only in their teens, Rupa and Sanatha, happened to see him. And because he was despondent, they approached him and asked what was bothering him. We find they had this quality of jivadaya, kindness to other living beings from this story in their youth. And then we follow them to their old age in Vrindavan. <coughs> Today is the day, as they say, of the Tirubhava, or the disappearance from the from the world of Sanatana Goswami, that we honor. We find that in in Vrindavan, Sanatana Goswami, they just called him Baba, and he would go throughout the mandal the whole area of Krishna's pastimes, on foot, and whenever he would enter a particular area or village, all the people would come, run up to him, the children would come and hold his hands, and so forth. They used to call him Munda Baba, Shaved-headed Baba. And he was so uh, kind and accessible to the people and concerned about their ordinary difficulties and so forth, while at the same time absorbed in the highest and the most comprehensive solution to all problems of life that everybody wasn't exactly ready to hear about. Nonetheless, the full heart, if you will, the full face of compassion... Um, was fully present in him, but the shadow, if you will, of compassion for the just the material necessities of people was not absent in him. Rupanathan are said to have been um, people who the Brindaban residents would go to res- to resolve any any dispute, to get any practical advice on even mundane things from and so forth and. We also say you shouldn't approach the guru for all those things and think that you'll get absolute answers on who to marry and who not to, and this isn't his realm, and so forth. And the same holds true for the Goswamis, but they, they gave the best of their advice on everything to everyone, and they showed compassion for everyone with regard to all their the multitude of life's, life's problems. When Sanatan Goswami Peru left the world on this day, Everybody in the whole Braj Mundal Shaved their head, we were told to, to in, in, in remembrance of him How fond they were How much affection they had for him He wasn't a guru by law That just sat behind closed doors That no one could speak to Or anything like that and he was accessible to everyone His life was like an open book No secrets, so to speak He had So this quality was there in their youth, such that they saw this fellow, and he was despondent, so they approached him. Hmm. They had no sorrows of their own, but they felt uh, some compassion uh, for others. So anyway, the king's assistant told them that, oh, well, here's what happened, and I don't know what he wants. So they said to him, what was he doing at the time? And so then they described the circumstances and so forth. And he said, Oh, he wants the finest masons that you can find and there's two very fine you know, there's fine masons in town, so so if he, he, he from just him describing then they could understand what the king wanted and and so the man went back and he said, I, I brought the masons that you were asking for and it was quite some time he had been gone. The king had even forgotten about it and forgotten about him. He said, oh, how did you know that I, I was just angry at that time? I didn't even tell you what, what I wanted. And uh how did you know that I wanted the best masons around so that I could kill them or whatever? I don't know, but... <laughs> 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 I engaged them in some other work, perhaps. But uh the, uh, the servant of the king told them that, well... We met these two boys, and this is... I met these two boys, and this is how it happened. And I said, well, bring them here. They sound very special. So, and they were just... How, what were they like? They, they, they described... They spoke Persian and Parsi and Arabic and Sanskrit and Hindi. And They were just young men, very learned, very insightful, very compassionate, kind of all. He had the opportunity to... glorify their qualities and so forth so anyway the king said bring them to myself at a young age then they became the counselors of the king so he plucked them if you will from the hindu society they were condemned Rup and Sanatan, the two brothers by the hindu society for their engagement directly in the government of the muslims even though everyone was ruled by the muslims in the area and had to honor the king and so forth Rupa Sanatana were condemned by the Hindu constituency for their participation in his direct participation in his his government in the Mongol Muslim government but we find that we can consider that if the king came and ordered (laughs) any of them you work for me now it was as you can see the king had quite a temperament so there was not much option there and to disobey him without risking your life, and so they were able to engage in the king's service, uh, king's service in a meaningful <coughs> way, but to never actually be implicated in all that um, might, uh, that all of the king's activities that might be um, considered uh, a deviation <coughs> from the Hindu. Uh, religious and social uh, standards. Nonetheless, people have a very superficial understanding often of things and so uh, they condemned Rupa and Sanatan while the king embraced them and took advantage of all their good qualities. And meanwhile, of course, in time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela began to manifest. As they kept themselves in Ramkeli with reading the Bhagavatam, establishing like sites to remember Krishna's pastimes and so forth. So, as I mentioned yesterday, in the government service, Sanatana in particular, was spending all of his spare time in studying the Bhagavatam. And then it happened that and they heard again about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They were in Ramkeli when uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left Nadia. I mean, this was a big story in Bengal. The boy, Sachinanda Nimai Pandit, he was famous for his scholarship. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a boy. And then for discarding scholarship and and his absorption in devotion, the measure of that, the extent of that was overwhelming. The people began to think maybe he's Krishna himself. And then they would think, but where are his associates? And they would have a flash, I'm one of them. And they'd get some confirmation from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This way the Leela was playing itself out, Krishna Leela playing itself out in an extraordinary way, imbued as it is uh, with with outreach and magnanimity um, to the extreme. And so, this news was out about. Nirmay Pandit had left home. Nirmay Pandit has gone to Kejur Bard. He's taken sannyas. He's gone to Puri. And, and the Nirmab Husaynsa wanted to invade Puri, conquer Puri, when Sanatan was in his administration. And that was the stronghold of the Hindus. Raj pratapudra was there protecting Lord Jagannath and so forth. And some say that he refused to facilitate the king's uh, departure in his absence while uh, in, while the king sought to to conquer Puri this didn't sit well with Mwabhussain Sand and um, that and his study of the Bhagavatam that made him take further leave of absence became uh, uh, in reason to <coughs> arrest him so he was arrested, but I should say, prior to that, they were hearing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They became attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu had gone to Puri. This news was everywhere. He had, he had actually conquered Puri. The king wanted to invade and conquer in, in one way, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went with no weapons but his arms, as he's described in the verse, that Sanatana found him in, in the Bhagavatam. His arms moving in ecstasy were his weapons by which he conquered the hearts of everyone. And this mm-hmm. is a good example of his conquering power. He actually conquered Raj, the king of Puri. And it's documented there in Chitana Chaitanya Charitamrita, another text, historical text as well. Raj participation in Chaitanya Vaishnavism. And so the king became converted and the whole town became influenced naturally by Chaitanya Vaishnavism, which wasn't too much of a stretch for a town absorbed in the worship of Jagannath. Chaitanya giving, as he did, such a high idea of who is the deity of Jagannath, about which there were many different opinions at the time. Jagannath, lord of the universe, he gave darshan to all kinds of people with all types of different religious conceptions. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu out the most charming idea Of and he charmed the king by this as well so anyway at some point Mahaprabhu decided to go to Vrindavan and it was on his way to Vrindavan that he met Rup and Sanatana some say that he met that they brought Jiva Goswami as a young just a young baby when they met him they put him at the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so they say there's some direct connection between Jiva Goswami and Mahaprabhu as, as a child there And in that place, Mahaprabhu gave them some encouragement and so forth. And uh, Sanatana Prabhu gave Chaitanya Mahaprabhu advice. This was his position. He advised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you are going to Vrindavan with hundreds of thousands of people following you. Because by now, this is a boy of, you know, how many in this room have been 24 years old before... You know, and uh, I'm 61. It's a long time for me. I can remember it well. It's a little shorter for some of you, but you can laugh at those times too, perhaps. Not you, but you're funny uh, now. <laughs> but uh, at 24, he had conquered the, the kingdom of Jagannath Puri by his new religion, if you will, for which he had no books, no lineage, no, no, uh, well, he had some enthusiastic followers, but again, the, the whole sampradaya had not been established. Uh, this is a well-established place of pilgrimage, Jagannath Puri, and here comes this boy as a sannyasi with a new religion, and he conquered us. It it's very powerful. So, when he left, the measure of his conversion of of his conquering is is can be measured by the example to of which the king exhausted his treasury and funds and resources in establishing shrines everywhere that Chaitanya map was stopped within his jurisdiction the king's jurisdiction on his way out of it to go to Brindavan, wherever he crossed the river wherever he spent the night and so forth king established shrines where people would come and honor that said it exhausted his whole treasury at the time so he was conquered and his heart was taken at any rate this is a huge event the hometown boy is the lad Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, had taken sannyasa had gone to Puri and conquered Puri with his religious idea and now he was going to vrindavan via Navadvip so here he returned and, and what the residents of Navadvip must have felt his intimate circle of course on the one hand, in the people in general who were just proud to be identified with their hometown because Chaitanya Nitani Nimai Pandit was you know, such a respected and well-known um, person. So he had a huge, spontaneous following, walking uh, everywhere he went in poetry, Krishna Dasgaviraj Goswami describes their crossing (coughs) the Ganges when he went across to follow him Was such that there were so many people in the water that other people walked on their heads (laughs) (laughs) So a big crowd it means was following him wherever he went and so he he came on through this Ram Kali. Kanai Natasala, which was how it was renamed, I think, by the Goswamis. And there he stopped. And Sanatana Goswami had kind of stopped him in his tracks. He said, don't go to Vrindavan with a big crowd. This is not the way to go. There's a couple of implications in this instruction. First of all, we know that we can understand he was very politically astute. He understood the times and he said, This is not safe. You're a Hindu. Hinduism's allowed, but not like this, with you know, thousands of people following you every, you know. Um, that will cause uh, concern. Indeed, it's not have been asked by the Noah saying So, who is this guy? Check him out with his big group, is he coming here to invade me, or what's going on? Of course, Sanatana assured the king, no, it's not like that. But he advised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, don't go with the big crowd. This is the one side, and the more esoteric side of it, we should go to Vrindavan very humbly. This is the place of Krishna. We should go as a devotee of Krishna, not with a big following and fanfare, chasing us everywhere, and so on. So Mahaprabhu appreciated his advice, both exoteric and and esoteric. In fact, what we learned, from, and then he turned back, and he didn't go any further. He went back to Puri. There was a second attempt that he he took to go to Vrindavan, in which he was successful went all the way. What we can understand from this is that Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami had created the Vrindavan in, in, in themselves, as I said there, through their internal absorption in, in, in mormam vrindavan what he said in 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 jagannath rahat the my mind in the mood of radha my mind is vrindavan wherever you go that is vrindavan vidha <speaking> bhagavata <in> sthitam bhuvah svayam bhuvah te etiku vanti te tane santa sthena <Hebrew> kada what makes a place holy is holy people Nudistir cited this ostensibly composed this verse in glorification of the Dura mm. who wanted to go on Peer to go to holy places. Nudistir said, what is the use of your going to holy places? You are a holy place. You are what makes a place holy. You carry the Lord in your heart wherever you go. So the most substantial thing about holy places is the holy people who live there. So much so that we're told if you go to the holy place but you don't associate with the Sami people you haven't really gone there. Mahaprabhu also teaching us this lesson by his example. He wanted to go to Vrindavan. He met Sanatana Goswami. He actually went to Vrindavan. People don't they think he, he couldn't go the first time. He had to go back. He was satisfied. I've gone to Vrindavan. He went again second time. That's a fact. He had some other things to accomplish there. I have told my experience before to some of you how I was with Prabhupada uh, on a bus. He uh, had a fantasy, a dream of traveling in vans or going on a boat from harbor to harbor, then a van from village to village in a bus and doing Sankirtan and so forth. And some of his students were doing that. We took some old buses and turned them into temple, traveling temples. And so one day we took him from New York to Pennsylvania, New York City to Pennsylvania. We said, I don't know, a three-hour drive or something like that. Where we had a farm, and um, the farm was producing milk and whatnot for the for the New York temple, and so Prabhupada came on the bus. We had a deity of and so I rode on the bus with Prabhupada, and a uh, very nice experience. And then, anyway, we got to the place that was called Gita Nagari, and uh, we took Prabhupada on a tour of the grounds and whatnot, and and we went to the barn in the context of that. And while in the barn. We were all standing there, and suddenly, like a, a cow mooed, and a and a children kind of a child was was startled and said something, and a and a and a, and a, a mouse ran out, and a cat one cat was there, and a, and a dog was there, and all, it was kind of a commotion, like everyone was a little startled, something like that, but Prabhupada looked around and he said, just see, this is Vrindavan, there's the man and the child and the cat and the dog and the mouse and the cow and everyone is living harmoniously, something like that. So, So it was very, very nice. And the next morning then we went to get back on the bus and Prabhupada was in front of me as we walked towards the bus and he turned around and he said, did you see it? And I said, did I see what? (laughs) <laughs> he said, there was the man and the child and the cat and the dog and the mouse and the cat and the cow and the, everybody living in harmony. He said, this is brindavan. And I, I was very much taken by that. And then we moved a little further. He stepped up on the bus and then he turned around and he said, did you see it? Because I didn't reply. And he just he replied to me. And I didn't reply again. I just said, uh, I didn't know what to say. And he said, there was the cat, there was the mouse. <laughs> and through the whole thing again. He said, this is Vrindavan. And I said, Prabhupada, you are Vrindavan. <laughs> Wherever you are, that is Vrindavan. So I had my own experience of that. Another another occasion like that also it was in 1977, which is the year that Prabhupada became ill. And we were in Mayapur, and every year, Prabhupada told me way back in the first f- festival, we had an annual festival in Mayapur and Vrindavan, the first one, which he had invited me to, which was the first one that was, the he presided over, the first of many to come every year to preach all year long and then come and spend one month with him in Mayapur and Vrindavan. So, I was doing that in '77. Then was the last year, so that he was with us, and so we were in Mayapur, and he was ill and he couldn't lecture. And then the news came that he was not going to go to Vrindavan. So I went to see Prabhupada, and he was on his veranda sitting there, and I said, Prabhupada, I'm not going to Vrindavan. He said, why not? And I said, because you're not going to Vrindavan, wherever you are. That is Vrindavan, and so forth. I got to say that to him again. He was very much appreciative of it. But then he said, no, you should go to Vrindavan, and you should preach there. You're a good preacher to the devotees, and... I'm never feeling the absence of my Guru Maharaj ever, and so forth. He, he, he said a few other nice, very nice things to me. So, at any rate, I had my experience of this point. Hmm. Basically, that was my world, my orbit. Prabhupada was my Vrindavan, wherever he was, that was the best place to be, if it involved service to him, which is the real Connection and so forth So at any rate Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Point is what (laughs) That Meeting Sanatana Prabhu He said He felt I've come to Vrindavan My mission is successful Later we find When he went physically to Vrindavan Rupa Goswami Was on his way to Vrindavan To meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Left Vrindavan to meet Rupa Goswami and intercept him before he even got there so these two really embodied fully the Vrindavan ideal the Vrindavan consciousness and Mahaprabhu has highlighted them very much in his in his lineage they were ostracized as I say from the Hindu community for their direct participation in the Muslim government but they were made the principal teachers of of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's precepts, he empowered them and personally taught them, and from that experience, teaching them, they wrote the books and so forth, which was the institutionalizing, if you will, of the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's enabled people to come and take advantage of that um, over the over over centuries now. So, at any rate, again, along to continue the history. He met Sanatana there, he gave some advice, and um, eventually Rupa Goswami freed himself from the government service, as I say. He met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in in um, um, Prayag, there he was instructed. And there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked about Sanatana, where is your elder brother, what is his situation. So at that time he was in jail, and... was he in jail? I think he was in jail at the time. And um, so Mahaprabhu told Rupa Goswami something to communicate with him. Rupa Goswami wrote a very obscure kind of a note to him. It would be very difficult to ascertain the meaning. Perhaps he was concerned that it would be uh, intercepted and so forth and it would bring greater trouble to Sanatana. Uh, Goswami I can't remember you forgive me now if he, if the letter came before he was arrested or after he was arrested it must have been before and subsequently he was arrested and anyway he was encouraged through this kind of code which he was able to discern and understand The message was come to Mathura Krishna has returned was the the, the import of the message was Mathura used to be the center of India and worship of Krishna was central there, it's where Krishna appeared. But for a long time now, Krishna had been absent. And so, it, the, the, the wonderful and significant place that it was was being lost in the minds of the general public. And what Rupa Goswami was saying is, Krishna has come back to Vrindavan, to Mathura. He's come back again, meaning in the form of chaitanya mahaprabhu get yourself over here this is this is incredible <laughs> so at any rate Sanadana Goswami, he had some uh, treasure some gold from his having worked for the in the government and he negotiated with the jailkeeper for the key in exchange for the gold and he told the jailkeeper who was a muslim that said in your in the quran that if you liberate someone f- from shackles, then you'll you'll go to heaven yourself. And uh, of course, the idea was if you take somebody out of the material world. You, but the guy wasn't that bright, so <laughs> he he let him out anyway. And uh, then he said, "Well, what if they what if they they get on my case, say that no, you took me to the river to bathe and." I jumped in with my shackles on and I committed suicide. Then you won't have to worry. So he found good excuse and reasoning to help the fellow out and whatnot, and off he went. And I believe one assistant, maybe Ishan Das, came with him. And first night they were put up by an innkeeper uh, who was very pleased to accommodate them. And at a certain there's a saying: Ati bhakti lakshan Chor. Chor lakshan. Ati bhakti, too much bhakti is a sign of a thief. So Sanatana was very wise, and he understood people very well. I mean, worked for the government and so forth. He could understand the psychology of people, and and he thought this guy is, of course, had to think of the times and so forth. But he said this guy's got a little, bit, a little too eager to put us up and. And he, it's a little suspicious, he thought. He's so nice to us. He doesn't even know me. And uh, and I'm obviously, you know, on the lam here, on the run. And so he was a little suspicious. and So he asked his servant at a certain point before they took grace, do you have anything valuable with you? And his servant said, actually, I, I took... Seven gold coins, I thought we might need them for the trip You know, out of the rest of the gold that was left, I took seven gold coins He said, oh, you've done a great disservice And so he said, "He, he said, please take those coins and give it to the innkeeper So he took the coins and gave them to the innkeeper And the innkeeper said, he was embarrassed He said, oh my goodness, he said I can understand that the man that you're traveling with is some kind of a saint or mystic I have an astrologer who lives nearby and he told me people were coming on the road and they were carrying gold. That's why I was so nice to you. My plan was to kill you in the night and take your money. And I'm so embarrassed now. So said, anyway, keep the gold <laughs> and we'll get out of here first thing in the morning. So they left in the morning and they traveled further and they met then a relative of Sanatana Prabhu who put them up and for some reason he remained a little suspicious of his servant Ishan. And he said, did you give all that gold up, by the way? And he, and he said, well, I kept one gold coin because I was thinking we might need it. I mean, we're just like, we've nothing here, you know. Siddhartha so said, you should go back to Bengal, take your gold coin and go back to Bengal. I'll travel without anything. So he showed us a, a measure of Sharanagati, dependence upon Krishna Krishna is my maintainer a very high standard I mean you know we take one coin just for for good luck or something and he didn't he made, set an extreme example in this regard I simply depend on Krishna and um, he did get a blanket I think an expensive blanket from his brother-in-law to keep him warm and this was you know cold time in India and so off he went, traveling by himself, and he was really you know, escaping from the government. He was a well-known person. Imagine some senator or some congressman, man of parliament or woman of parliament, you know, leaves and, or a dictatorship, you know, and tries to escape the country. And So it was like that in those times. And all based on what? Leaving a very prestigious material position, Again, for the life ostensibly of a beggar, but with a heart filled with love of God and identification with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's inner world, the renunciation uh, of his being an external you know, byproduct of that—how deep it was, how compelling to to Goswami. So he met with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then in in Benares came to the door, he found him out. And uh, they didn't have any Facebook, you know, in those days, to figure out where somebody was, but he had a sixth sense. And Mahaprabhu was, when he came, <coughs> he he told Chandrasekhar, there is someone at the door, Tapadmita, there is someone at the door, a devotee of mine, open it. So they went open the door, and there was only this, what looked like a Muslim fakir, mendicant. And uh, it, they said, There's only this Muslim guy out there, you know. Baba said, Bring him in. Hmm. So they brought him in, and he embraced Sanatana Goswami. And everyone was startled. Hmm. And then he told them, to Go and take bath, and shave your head, and so forth. and And he did. <clears throat> and he came back. Mahaprabhu introduced him to all the devotees, spoke about him and so forth. And while the prasad was offered and the discussions were going on, Sanatana Prabhu was just intently fixed, and Mahaprabhu, what what he, he might be thinking, what he might want and so forth, in a great mood of, of service. And Mahaprabhu kept glancing He noticed that that blanket that he had gotten, the chattar, which was an expensive wool chattar, Kept glancing at it, so he thought, "Mappa was not pleased. I'm supposed to be a Sharanagata dependent upon Krishna, and I'm wearing a fancy fancy blanket, depending on the materialist's uh, wealth to keep myself warm. So he went to the uh, bathing ghats, and there he found an old person with a beat up blanket, and he said, Can I trade blankets with you? And the man was like, are you crazy? Or are you being facetious here or something? He said, No, seriously, you take this, I'll take yours. Then he came back with the tattered cloth and Mappa was very pleased with him. Doesn't mean we should wear rags and <laughs> and so forth, but uh, there's a nice section of the Bhagavatam where Sutta Goswami speaks. He says, You know, what need is there for for this or that when there are, you know, when there are rivers for plumbing when there are rivers to bathe in what need is there for uh, food uh, purchasing in the market when it's available in the forest and what need is there for cloth when you can find a torn piece along the side of the road? Hmm. He wants to say this body is is something that we're very much preoccupied with, and um, it can be taken. Very little attention can be given to it, and it, and it will be maintained nonetheless. You should give. The greater balance of your energy to the self. I was riding on a plane once and I was chanting my japa and it, this guy was sitting next to me and I mean I was just to myself and quiet and he turned to me and he did, at one point he said, what is it that makes you have to do that? And I said, it's you. <laughs> it's the pop, you know, I might become like you. But, you know, take it easy. I, I'm just, you know. This. So anyway, we, we had a discussion and it turned out that he was, he said, Well, look, I can read a religious is all right, but it's a little out of balance, don't you think, the way you're going about it, a little extreme. So then I said to him, What is more important, the body, the observer, or, or that which is observed, the or that which is experienced? And I went through that a little bit with him and, and so he agreed with me on each count that, you know, the observer, the experiencer, the self. Consciousness is more important. I said, so if I give the greater balance of my attention to the inner, then how can you say I'm out of balance? Look at you. And most people on the plane how they're preoccupied and so forth. Where are you going? How many how many sets of clothes do you have in your bags? How many bags do you have? <laughs> he ended up appreciating it. He didn't start chanting then, but <laughs> he may be now. So Anyway, Sanatana Ru we'll set this example. Again, it's an example like the find of the Sukadev of foregoing the external. The, and he had things to give up. He had a great, we have nothing practically to give up. What is our position in the world? Practically nothing. Still, we're attached to nothing. Pauper is proud of his or her penny. So, at any rate, Mahaprabhu schooled him then in the Bhagavatam and commissioned him for the work that he did to establish places of krishna's pastimes in vrindavan like they had done in meditation and in setting and creating an environment in ram Kali. and um to establish the behavior of the the Salachar, the correct behavior of the vaishnavas so he gave him these kind of orders to, uh, uh, to write books on vaishnavism establish the worship of the deity perhaps that um constituted kind of giving a shape um, beyond the books, which also gives him shape to the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu. It's the first kind of harder form from a soft form in the literary sense to a institutional, you know, formal behavior and a sampradaya lineage and so Prabhu again is the architect of our sampradaya, all that's practices and whatnot through Mahabhu they came into him, into his ear, into his heart. He thought about them, then he explored all the sacred texts. He he, he took help from the great Gopal Goswami from the south and from Jiva Goswami. Um, no, Jiva Goswami took help from him I should say, for writing his Sandarbas. The Sundarbas are very prominent, Jiva Goswamis that like the uh very important for that, but we find him off his respects to Gopal uh his notes, and to Sanatana Goswami, Goswami there. So, he was the leader of the Goswami. He's, the, in that sense, the leader of our Sampradaya in a, in a, in a, in a Gorlila sense. Very important to us. And this, again, is the day of his disappearance. His commentary on the Bhagavatam was the first commentary. His book, Brihat Bhagavatam, to the first book of our Sampradaya, is all an explanation. A very insightful explanation, a creative, a, 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 a insightful explanation of Srimad Bhagavatam, the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. I mean, from reading that book, you can understand, you can read the Bhagavatam and never come up with that, what he came up with in Brihad Bhagavatam, right to what it's about. It's so fascinating. Even today, if you go to Vrindavan and you, you go to a Bhagwat Qatar where someone is reciting the Bhagavatam, you can be sure, they'll be re- reading from the commentaries of Sanatana Goswami, uh later who followed in his footsteps, with deference to Sanatana, Vishnachakalitākura, Jīva Goswami, and so forth. These Gaudiya people, led by uh, Sanatana Goswami, following the footsteps of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they have embraced the Bhagavatam like no other sect. They have made from one pada, one line of one verse... Srimad Bhagavatam, their whole Sampradaya, Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam, and explained it in great great detail. This is the Tattva of the Bhagavatam. It's very extraordinary what they've done. And in terms of the Bhava, the ecstasy of the Bhagavatam, what it means in terms of that, no one has brought out like they have. So very important people in the religious world we realize the Bhagavatam isn't as popular as the Bible and other religious texts, but, you know, you have to give it a little bit of time here to make its way into the modern modern world's mind. Again, as we were, as we were discussing, it deals with an issue that's very significant and interesting, the nature of consciousness. So, we owe our understanding of it, eh, to a large extent, to Sanatana Goswami. Sanatana Goswami, Chirabhava Mahamudasavati. So, any question? Yes. This is a question that another devotee asked me but I couldn't answer it. Uh, when we worship Mahaprabhu, our ideal is Mahaprabhu in Navadvipalila as a grihastha. Uh, and, and also in, when we worship Anshatattva, Mahaprabhu there is as a, as a grihastha. But in the Panchatattva mantra that we, we sing, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, the sannyasi name, why is that? Well, one thing is that you may also, with the same reasoning, you may question why the book Chaitanya Charitamrita? Why the book Chaitanya Dayo Chandraya Nataka? Chaitanya Bhagavad? Chaitanya Mangal? All of the biographies and uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all the books about him and his precepts, practically all none of them are identified as Nimai Pandit or you know one of those intimate names. So it w- it appears that the authors sought to um, name their books and refer to him in the name that most explained esoteric reality of Chaitanya mahaprabhu I explained briefly the other day, Krishna Chaitanya, it means Krishna consciousness, which means, takes us to them, Radha, it means really seeing the consciousness of consciousness. This is the, it is his sannyas name, that's true, but it's a name that explains perhaps best what he's about, and then makes us interested ultimately in the Navadvipa Lila and so forth, rather than referring to him as Nimai Pandit. And these are these are names that have, are without any aishwarya. They don't attract the public. And Whereas Krishna Chaitanya, it has some aishwarya, but it has some madhurja also. It takes us to... And he took the name to attract people to his Navadvipa Lila that would be of more, signif- more significance than the Vrindavan Lila. Does that help? I mean, Sachi Nandan, you know, Sharitamrita or something, you know, it just doesn't have the same impact, the, the, the joy of Sachi. You know? Okay. So, all right, we'll meet again this afternoon.